Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. Henry, this really is unbelievable. Two and five. The Patriots are two and five. They're now in a class with the Houston Texans, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the New York Jets at the bottom of the AFC conference. Those are the only teams they're ahead of now in the conference. I cannot believe we've gotten here, but this is where we are. What do you think? I said last week when we met on this podcast, I said, Henry, they either beat the Bills and we got a season or they lose and they don't. And all the people that are saying the Patriots still have a chance that there's that it's too early to call it, I'm calling it. I think the Patriots are cooked. We're 2-5, and five, definitely out of the AFC East race. And I look at their schedule and I, I don't see – I don't see – six wins i i don't i don't i just think they're cooked it's kind of amazing uh where we are we have we're, we're almost at rock bottom for the patriots uh going into week nine it's it's kind of unbelievable what, what do you think about this well this isn't rock bottom i think it's gonna get worse <laughs> <laughs> no henry this is my therapy session i did not need to hear that <laughs> yeah the good news is they have the jets this monday the bad news is that that may not be as therapeutic or cathartic of a game as people hope because Belichick called the Jets scrappy, uh, which is kind of belittling in its own way. It's kind of funny. It's like, oh, yeah, they're, they're real scrappers. But yeah, um, yeah, the plucky Jets, right? Yes, yes that. exactly. But the, but they are actually. I mean, they, they were pretty competitive against the Bills two weeks ago, and they made it kind of competitive against the Chiefs for half a game. And so I think – We'll see a surprisingly competitive game, and and I don't think that will make Patriots fans feel any better. But, I mean, even if it isn't all that competitive, a win over the Jets right now is like, I guess at this point, Patriots fans will just take it. It's medicine, they'll, they'll just, right? Yeah, exactly. no, it's, like, it's like penicillin at this point. We, we need something. We need something to feel good about because this is unbelievable. Right. But at least, but then, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, Henry, at least help is on the way because we got Isaiah Ford. The wide receiver from the Dolphins. Uh, I, I'm sure you're going to get to that point, but what were, you, what were you going to say? I was going to say, and then after the Jets, there's the Ravens. I don't think that will be pretty. There's a Texans game that the Patriots could win, but then it's the Cardinals, the Chargers, the Rams, the Dolphins, back to the Bills, back to the Jets. So in there, I would say there are probably maybe four more relatively easy wins um and and that's saying the jets the texans the jets the chargers are all winnable games so that's about six wins and then you you'd have to think that by the point the patriots play the dolphins that's not going to go well a second game against the bills with sort of the bills getting the monkey off the back like Mm -hmm. that's probably not going well rams are a good team even though they had a bad week last week so yeah i mean it ain't pretty i could see them i could see them winning six seven games and the NFL is teasing the idea of a expanded playoffs. Yeah, I don't want so, I don't want the Patriots in the playoffs this year. It's good. 
it's too ugly. I feel like <laughs> Dallas Cowboys fans at this point, Henry. I don't want my team in the playoffs at all costs. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it, it's within the realm of possibility the Patriots, they win a few of their not easy games and they get into that that expanded playoff field but that remains to be seen and this Patriots team doesn't really look capable of winning the easy games let alone the the tough ones so but Isaiah Ford right I mean a new weapon yeah, for tell, the New England offense tell me about this kid because I never heard of him and and you had a funny I think you put a funny post on the Patriots wire too being like who who's this I fully expected Henry if they lost to the Bills that I thought that would be the turning point for guys like Stephon Gilmore, guys like Joe Tooney, even maybe a Sony Michelle getting moved to the deadline. And that just didn't happen. The Patriots keep their best trade pieces where they could have potentially got like a second or third round draft pick for in return or whatever. They, obviously, it sounded like they were asking for way too much for a guy like Gilmore. And they decide to instead be buyers instead of sellers, right? And add Ford, who's kind of a guy that he seems like a depth piece that a team like maybe the Titans would make, a team that's like in the hunt trying to go for a Super Bowl type of run. Like It sounds like a move the Patriots would make a couple of years ago trying to like bolster their receiver core. It's not a move you make when you're 2-5 and five and basically done, dead in the water, you know, floundering. I'm scratching my head about why they brought this kid in. Why Why is Belichick bringing him in? Well, I think Belichick's not giving up on the season. He, he philosophically is not changing his approach. Right, right. He's still going to try and win. And I think that'll be tough because he's probably not going to win as many games as he's accustomed to. But Ford helps them in sort of a minor way and costs them very little. I think it sort of signals it's sort of like a philosophical decision and it is more of like a practical one. Like, what does it say to the roster if they exchange Stefan Gilmore for a third round pick? It says that the season's over and we'd rather have a pretty risky selection in the 2021 draft than we would have the reigning defensive player of the year and the best player on the team Mm -hmm. in 2020. That's just not good for people, for a team that really needs its young players to buy into Belichick's winning mentality. Yeah, it's not the program. Turnaround. Yeah, it's it's not the Patriots program. And so so I think selling for maybe a first-round pick, you can justify with Gilmore. It's like, yeah, you know, we expected him to leave and we can get an elite starting caliber player who will contribute in year one in 2021, whereas we expect Gilmore to be gone in 2021 as well. So there's a trade-off there that you can talk to the team and be like, this is why we made this decision. It's a tough one. It was a tough one for us, but it's the right one for the team. Anything less than a first-round pick, you just want Gilmore on the roster because he's the best defensive player they have on a defense that really needs him. So the decision to not sell was notable I think because it's consistent with Belichick's sort of we don't tank philosophy, we win. And then the Isaiah Ford thing is sort of similar. It's like, you know, we're going to get a piece that can help us offensively, probably not much but it's worth a spin because it's the worst passing offense in the entire NFL and Jacoby Myers is somehow looking like the best receiver so it may be Isaiah Ford can be a contributor too. It's so interesting. Belichick's like, ah, oh, it's all good. We're going to bring in Isaiah Ford. We're going to bolster our receiving core. We'll get right back in this race. And it's just like, you're, you're looking at it from afar and you're like, huh? As Henry said, he, he mapped it out and the Patriots, uh, their path to six wins is not is no guarantee. If they get to six wins, it's not going to be easy with the way the schedule's lining up and the way they're playing football right now. But there's some other things that got me scratching my head that Belichick's doing right now. I want to ask Henry about that. We'll do it coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. 
sit em, start em. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends at a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Welcome to week number nine. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to talk to you about strong plays for your fantasy football lineups. All four of these guys are a little bit on the risky side, but that's where we're at this time of the year. Quarterback Derek Carr, the Las Vegas Raiders, after the Los Angeles Chargers. Carr is quietly on pace for his best fantasy football season to date, even after a lousy week eight game. The Raiders are getting healthier, and the quarterback position has averaged 25.8 fantasy points per game this year against the Bulls. Five quarterbacks have gone for at least 20 points, and three have gone for 24 or more in the last four contests alone. Jets running back LaMichael Pirine should see a pretty healthy workload against the New England Patriots. It probably won't be pretty in terms of yardage, but there's a hint of upside here as a flex play with a player who faces a defense that has given up seven rushing touchdowns on the year, and what's maybe even more alarming is five of them were over just the past two contests. There's hope here for a situational football break to go Pirine's way. Another rookie, Jerry Judy, the wide receiver for the Denver Broncos at the Atlanta Falcons. He saw 10 targets last week, and he has averaged nearly seven looks per game when Drew Locke has started all four contests. While the touchdowns haven't been there, this could change in week nine. Atlanta has given up five touchdowns in five games and eight on the entire season. The matchup is a little better suited for PPR volume, though, which is another reason why you should get him in your lineup. Finally, tight end Greg Olson of the Seattle Seahawks at the Buffalo Bills. The Bills have given up six touchdowns to the position in eight games, helping create four performances of at least 17.8 PPR points. Keep in mind this could be a risky situation especially seeing as there's so many weapons for Seattle to spread the ball around. We saw last week Olsen can get lost in the shuffle in a hurry. He is an intriguing risk-reward decision with several prize fantasy tight ends either hurt or underperforming. For more fantasy football information, news, and advice, check out thehuddle.com. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Henry, you're an all-star postgame. You're always asking Belichick the questions, and uh, I heard your question asking Belichick. You know, he gave you that uh, Belichickian answer. You asked him how he felt after the Cam Newton fumble, and he goes, how do you think I felt, Henry? That was kind of great. I enjoyed that. I just want to give you a shout-out there. But Belichick's confusing me because he said during the presser postgame that, you know, they went for the field goal at the end of the half because the percentages of throwing the football into the end zone weren't high. But then after the Patriots tie the football game 14-14, get a two-point conversion, finally get some momentum going, they get the run game kind of rolling. 14-14, we're all in the bathroom. We're getting, you know, another bag of potato chips or whatever the hell we're doing. We're not even paying attention. I wasn't paying attention to the TV when the Patriots try a surprise onside kick. And talking to Nick Woten of the Bills Wire, Nick Folk kicked it right to the Bills' best special teams player. It was like a horrible kick right to the guy. The Bills were not fooled by it. And then the Bills go on in, on a short field and score a touchdown, you, you could basically chalk that up to what lost the Patriots the game. Those those seven points were huge. In a bad weather game, you just kick the ball deep. You're in Josh Allen's head. You've already picked him off once. All the Bills were doing was running the football. That's all they were doing. Make him go the whole field. I, I just can't wrap my head around why Bill Belichick, tied 14-14, to 14, would play like he's still losing and try a surprise onside kick. The percentages on that can't be high at all. So, Henry, what did you think about that decision? And Bill just, he's not giving us any anything on the answer he just he said post game we thought it'd be a positive play and like what 
Like, what are you talking about? It, it just, I still can't believe that that happened. I'm, I'm still scratching my head. Help me out here. I need, I need the therapy session continues. Help. This is one I cannot explain. <laughs> oh, no, um, no, no, Henry, I need you. <laughs> Sorry, man. I'm not coming through. Usually, I actually feel like I have good explanations yes, of like yes. what Belichick is thinking, why I think generally he's sharp in doing what he does. But I think you kind of nailed it. Why are you kicking to the most alert special teams player, right, from an execution standpoint? Right. You do that because you think that they're not paying attention. And Belichick even said that. Uh, I think it was the Monday press conference where someone asked, hey, like, did you think that there was there was sort of a vulnerability that you could capitalize on? And Belichick said yes. But then it's like, which one? Because you picked the most heads up guy. And from an execution standpoint, that was a bad kick. So what exactly they saw and why they thought that that style of kick was going to work, I just don't know. And then you watch it, it was so bad. It just didn't have a chance. You know, that's what's so frustrating. And then situationally, I don't see that being much sense. Like you said, long fields had worked for the Patriots defense at that point and playing the battle of field position was starting to turn in the Patriots' favor. And so ultimately, like, they countered the Bills' touchdown with another touchdown. So we're making a big deal out of this. I actually don't think this is what cost them the game necessarily. But it was I mean, obviously it was the Cam Newton fumble. But one hundred percent, I'm with you on that. I just situationally, I just don't, I don't see a need for it. I think you'd been going with this conservative approach all game long. You're running on third and ten. You're just trying to stay in it. Let your defense keep you in it. And then you go off script at this moment. I don't get it. I don't yeah. see it. I don't see where the advantage was. I don't know. I just nothing really adds up for me here. Reeks of desperation, right? You've just tied the football game. You've tied it, but you're playing like it's almost like you're playing like you're still behind. Like you, like it was like Belichick right. thought he needed to steal a possession somewhere, right? He just didn't think that they could win it straight up. And I think that's a nod to the Bills. It really is. He he played that like it was Peyton Manning or something on the other side, right? I mean, this is what we, we you know I've heard some people liken it to the fourth and two decision I don't I think that's a stretch but he is giving the Bills like a crazy amount of respect saying we need an extra possession I wasn't there men I didn't think that they needed that I, I guess that's sort of what he was signaling in that moment yeah that the Patriots were the underdogs in this situation and their conservative approach in order for it to you know sort of hit the to really for them to take control of the game. They needed something bold. And actually, that's what we saw later in the game when they made that mistake of going overly aggressive on the onside kick from a decision-making standpoint. They then had to ask their offense to cover for it, which is what Cam Newton did. And it it actually, like, you know, I try to be extremely impartial in this, in in reporting, but it, it hurt me to watch Cam Newton make that mistake because... Of, of fumbling because it had been such a good game for him otherwise but I knew the storyline was going to get totally shattered like Newton was going to be extremely hard on himself Boston media was going to continue to turn on him and unfortunately uh, that's exactly what happened but in reality it was Newton's best game since the Seattle game I mean he played better than he did when he beat the Raiders I'd say he played as well as he did against Seattle it's just Seattle's defense is way worse than Buffalo's is yeah so Newton's opportunity to make big plays wasn't quite there in the same way but considering how few 
times he threw the ball, how bad his supporting cast was. Newton was was honestly really solid, and uh, whether it was running, passing, either way, and was very nearly operating at sort of this comeback uh, level. The reason why I got here was because you saw the Patriots going extremely bold and really trusting him in a way they hadn't for the other three quarters. In the fourth quarter, they had to produce offensively after they made that mistake on the onside kick. So they go they go into a passing mode with Newton. They ask him to start doing more, taking more risks, and he didn't make any mistakes until that last one. So that fumble was tough, tough to watch because of the ramifications of, of what it could mean for Newton sort of in his career. Not just as a patriot, but like you know, what are his chances next season? It may they may not be great now that he's proven unable to win in important moments. Yeah, no, and just looking at his face afterwards, that's as a sports fan, I'm I'm cool with it. Cam Newton was gutted on that field. That killed him. That fumble. So I mean, you could, you could get on him for not protecting the football, carrying it like a loaf of bread, whatever. I mean, I know there's people are saying all the things, but I'm I don't have beef with him because I think they're about to go win that ball game. First of all, he was about to lead him to victory. So it hurts that that happened, but also to see him gutted on the field like that, you know what? I, I don't have beef with Cam Newton. I don't, and I don't think they should make a change. I do not want to see Jared freaking Stidham. And, and actually, I expect Cam Newton to ball out in this game against the Jets. I really do. Um, but yeah, yeah, I agree with you, Henry. Like, man, that hurt him. And he's been easy to root for all along. You, you almost, you, you want to see him do well. And that was just... That was painful all around. I mean, that was the season right there. Uh, that's where I'm at. I, I think they're done. I, I think they're cooked now for, for the 2020 regular season. I think they're cooked. And it, was, it all comes down to that one freaking play. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It is. It was It was crazy. I, you know, I was watching the game from home. Um, we're not, obviously not traveling this season. And my fiance, who doesn't know anything or care <laughs> at all about football, yeah. she, I just, I literally said, oh, my God. And she was like, what? And, you know, I quickly explained it. But then I started explaining why it was an oh, my God moment. And, you know, obviously it determined the outcome of the football game. But it also determined a sort of unprecedented moment in Bill Belichick's career, which is why I wanted to ask him how he felt at that moment in the game. Because not only did they lose they lost in dramatic fashion. They lost at a chance at a moment where they very nearly could have won, like you said. But also, they lost the season. And it's the first time in Bill Belichick's career since about 2000, when he was actually 2-5 and five last time, that the Patriots have been irrelevant. That's, how, that's what I think they are at this point. I Agreed. mean, unless, the, unless there's that expanded playoff situation. I don't want it. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're, they're irrelevant. And, yeah, yeah, and that, that is a fascinating moment in Belichick's career, which is only amplified by the fact that he decided to move on from Tom Brady. Tom Brady decided to move on from Bill Belichick. This is a huge season for Bill Belichick's legacy, and this is his worst season since before Tom Brady arrived in New England. So it's 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 an oh my God moment. It is it is a fascinating pivot point in the history of New England Patriots franchise and in the history of Bill Belichick and even in the history of Tom Brady. Now, I'm not saying that this is suddenly like we can, we can, that this rewrites anything. It's just writing something new. These are new chapters for their careers. And it's, and it's fascinating to see such a huge moment that Cam Newton fumble sort of determine 
you know, where things are moving next. It is definitely fascinating, but if you're into that kind of thing, the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick scoreboard, oh, is Tom Brady ahead? Oh my God, is he ahead? Let's get to our next break here. We'll get to our sports betting advice from the Sportsbook Wire, and then we'll come back. And as Henry said earlier, it's a medicine game for the Patriots. They're, they're going to play the Jets. We're not going into tank mode. I think the Patriots are going to come out and ball out. We'll talk about that coming up next. <laughs> It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of Sportsbook Wire and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 9 Sunday night football matchup between the New Orleans Saints and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs, they're 6-2 coming in. Five and a half point favorites, minus 110 odds. The Saints, 5-2, plus 5.5 underdogs, minus 110 odds again. Big NFC South battle. Bucks come in in first place. Jeff, can they hold on against the New Orleans Saints? Everyone's down on Drew Brees right now, and it feels a little ageist to me. Old man Drew is seventh in the league in QBR, and he hasn't had his two best weapons on the field for most of the year. Speaking of which, he should be getting back wide receiver uh, Michael Thomas, who is the reigning offensive player of the year. And the Saints' defense is improving. They've even invested here at the trade deadline by acquiring former San Francisco 49ers linebacker Quan Alexander. Give me the Saints plus the points. I'm taking the Bucks. I like them. You're talking about Michael Thomas coming back. Antonio Brown's debut for the Buccaneers. That Bucks defense looking great as well. Second in the NFL with 28 sacks. Subscribe to Bet Seven Podcasts on your favorite app. Please be sure to rate and review. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Henry, as Bill Belichick said after the game against the Bills, Cam Newton's the quarterback. I don't expect to see Jared Stidham at all in this game against the Jets on Monday Night Football. And for people, for Patriots fans out there that agree with us and say, okay, the season's over, let's tank and let's get a high draft pick. I don't even want a high draft pick, Henry. I don't I don't want to watch Bill Belichick trade away the number eight pick in the draft or whatever. You know, <laughs> it's like I don't want that for myself. I just don't want to live through that. I still want them to play the games out and win the games they can. And we'll just see where we're at at the end. And it's going to be five wins probably five maybe six wins and and that's going to be what it is but for this game against the Jets you if you think the Patriots are going to go into New York play the Jets on Monday Night Football and try to tank and lose the game you are smoking it you are out of your mind Bill Belichick hates the Jets Cam Newton is playing for as you said the rest of his career he's going to ball out the Jets are pathetic they are a terrible pathetic excuse for a franchise Adam Gase is just he is such an embarrassment. The Jets are so clearly tanking. That's the only reason Gase is still there. The Patriots are going to go over there, and I expect a blowout win this weekend, Henry. 100%. The Patriots are favored by seven points on a, on the road. I know you called the uh, what the scrappy Jets. The scrappy Jets, right? Yeah, the Jets might be scrappy, but I expect the Patriots to blow doors in this game. And, and, and that's what it is. And I don't think it changes anything at all. I think the Patriots are going to win this game by 14, 17 points. I don't think it changes anything for their season. But that's just where I'm at. What do you think about this game, though, uh, Monday night? Well, I'm... I'm getting the sense that you think the Jets are underrated. Is that the vibe that you, you feel like you're giving off? 
No, I think they suck. <laughs> That's where I'm at. No, I don't think they're underrated I'm at all. Kidding. Yeah, I'm no. kidding. Oh, okay. You're being sarcastic. Thanks. No, being sarcastic. Henry, I'm not smart enough to, to keep up with you on that. You're way smarter than I am. You're way smarter than I am. Yeah. If the Patriots yeah, the, lose this game, I'm going to lose my mind, and I'm like, I'm going to be some I crazy person so next much week. Pent up rage inside of you. Um, <laughs> I'm not yeah. used to this, Henry. You know that. I know. Yeah. So the Patriots, the Patriots are going to probably win. Uh, and and like I said, I think you know Patriots fans will sort of briefly feel better. I think they'd be smart to embrace losing, if that makes sense. Like if they do start losing some games, really not the end of the world because they're going. To, they have a major problem. They don't know who's playing quarterback in 2021. Jared Stidham is not the guy. I think to a degree, playing him would be interesting because unless they're spending, and I think this is what they are doing, unless they're going to spend the rest of 2020 deciding whether they want to keep building an offense around Newton in 2021, it's kind of useless continuing with him. So if they are deciding that they're probably going to move on from Newton, I think it's okay to to work Stidham into the starting role as we kind of move along the season because if they win with him, they know maybe they could start building around him. If they lose with him, they're getting closer to a solution at quarterback, which is a higher pick in the draft. Now, that's all sort of like normal football logic, which Belichick doesn't really operate under. Because like you said, if he gets the seventh overall pick and Justin Fields is on the board, a guy who is widely considered the second best quarterback prospect in this draft class and one of the best quarterback prospects over the last few years, the world is going to say, perfect, you just lost a bunch of games, draft that guy, build around him. And Belichick's going to say, I'm going to trade back. If if he trades that I'm moving to Tampa Bay. I'm just going to move to Tampa Bay and make it official and stock Tom Brady. That's it. I'm done. So all of this is, is common football knowledge, and Bill Belichick doesn't mind upending that status quo. Not at um, all. So, I, I mean, I think to a degree, embracing losing is okay. Tanking philosophically goes against everything Belichick says, so not a good idea. Um, beating the Jets on, sun, on Monday night is definitely going to be the next best step for the Patriots. I, I'm just curious, mostly – as the season goes on, what comes of Cam Newton? And, you know, I think everybody's sort of up in a huff about all of the sort of the trees right now in New England. It's like, oh, that fumble with Newton. Oh, man, you know, Tom Brady excelling in uh, Tampa. Just a lot of, like, little fine details. But the big overarching problem, I think, in New England is that they do not have a quarterback. They have the worst passing offense in the NFL by, by a few different metrics. And you cannot win in the NFL without a good quarterback. So the question is, can Cam Newton be good enough for the Patriots to start winning games? And if he cannot, they have to figure out what's next. Is that Jimmy Garoppolo, who's probably going to get cut this offseason? Is it Kirk Cousins, who's probably going to get cut this offseason? Or is there an answer in the draft? And if they're going to probably try and win some games and maybe end up at six wins, like we talked about, maybe Trey Lance, that North Dakota State prospect, maybe Jamie Newman, the Wake Forest guy who was supposed to play at Georgia this year. It's a huge huge quarterback class. It really is. It's deep yeah with lots of uncertainties like newman was supposed to go in the top 10 i mean supposed to quote unquote obviously there are so many quarterbacks in may who get projected to the next year's draft exactly that 
all of a sudden fall out of like the top six rounds. It's so common for people to be like, this guy's a top 10 pick. And then he's, he's really not even a top 100 or yeah, yeah. 150. But anyway, Newman, Newman was supposed to go to Georgia and be the guy and him playing against SEC defenses would have been fascinating. Him opting out of the season obviously makes it more complicated to evaluate him. So all sorts of interesting quirks in, in the upcoming draft with its COVID opt-outs, whether it's shortened seasons, et cetera. That will be the storyline, and hopefully Patriots fans like the draft because that that's going to be probably the storyline starting you know as soon as next week, basically as soon as right now. I just put up a rankings of the quarterbacks in this year's class on on Patriots wire. Yeah, and I'm jotting down notes here as you speak because these are these are topics we're going to be covering throughout the rest of the year on the podcast for sure. I mean, this is where we're at. It's going to be really interesting, right? Belichick is in an interesting spot because Cam Newton, I think the market's coming down on him. There wasn't much of a market anyway, obviously, with the contract the Patriots got him on, and I don't think he's doing much to like sign some big lucrative deal in the offseason, so maybe the price on him could be down for the Patriots to keep him around for another year. Or Belichick could go in the draft, as you're saying, Henry, and get a quarterback on a good rookie deal because you know, that's not going to kill your team if you're, if you're trying to navigate the cap, which Belichick's been claiming the cap has been hurting the team. Give me a break. We can talk about that later on as well. But, I mean, you can get a rookie quarterback on a decent deal, or maybe you get another year of Cam Newton on a decent deal. So, these are all topics that we could talk about in a future episode. I think it's really fascinating. In the meantime, enjoy a win over the Jets, Henry. It better be a freaking win. Are you are you laying the points with me? Do you like this? Do you like Patriots pl- uh, minus seven? Oh, man. <laughs> are you taking your scrappy Jets? <laughs> I'll, take the, I'll take the Patriots. All right. I, like I, I think they can cover. All right. I think they can cover seven, but that is a, for the Patriots this season, that is a, that's a big spread. That's what, a lot of points. Yeah, have they beaten anyone by that many points this year? Like, no, they're 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 twenty one against the Bills. Were were more than the previous two weeks combined. So this is where we're at. <laughs> right. Where we're at in Foxborough. But Henry, I appreciate you, my man. Have a great week. All right. Yeah, you too. Bye bye. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.